here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877 All right, look. I'm really getting sick and tired of the racism that is being pushed every single day in the media by the Democrat Party at school board meetings, by members of Congress. I am sick of it. And by racism, I mean you can say anything you want, anything, about a white person or white people. Joy Reid is a bigot, and she's a homophobe, and she's disgusting. And I'll get back to her in a minute. And she's not alone. We have critical race theory being pushed throughout our society, including our schools with little kids, which is a racist ideology, trashing white people. Look how they dehumanize individuals. You're a white person. doesn't matter what you do, how you do it, where you do it. You're white. Now, you can be white and be from Switzerland, and you can be white and be from uh, Bolivia. But apparently all white people have everything in common. Just like all black people are all the same. And all Latinos are all the same, whether you're from Honduras or Mexico. These convenient racist categories, they stick us in, started with the federal government, and the Democrat Party pursues them in their own interests. And the American Marxists just love it. Love it. And they have these low IQ, hateful people all over cable and network television, all races. And if they don't have enough, they bring them in from the outside. So-called professors and experts and authors and all the rest. I am sick of it. This country 
the vast majority of the people in this country are tolerant, are benevolent, are not racists. Otherwise, why would this white dominant, white supremacy culture allow so many people of color to enter willy-nilly for decade after decade after decade? If white supremacists and white are really in control, are really racists, why would they tolerate any of this? And yet listen to the racism that comes from the American Marxists. Absolutely intolerant. Even of people of color, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, what have you, if they don't go along with the revolution, if they don't go along with the Democrat Party, we saw with Larry Elder in California. This Marxism, racism, and I'll add anti-Semitism is now firmly entrenched in the Democrat Party, in the American media, in academia, and in entertainment. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. It's turning us into a third world balkanized country rather than people assimilating and proud of their culture and their society in America. In America. You have wealthy counties like Loudoun County that elects Democrats through their school board and board of supervisors. Talking about reparations? Reparations for whom? Nobody deserves any reparations. Period. Period. And then more handouts. Reparations is just another way to redistribute wealth. Free college. Why? Why is it free? We'll pay off your debt. Why are we paying off people's debt? Three months of family leave paid for by the government. Why? You had children. You decided to have children. Why should everybody else pay so you can be off for three months? A minimum annual income they're talking about. Why? Why? But white supremacy, white dominant society, it's unbelievable. You have Haitians pouring into this country, pouring into this country. And so they attack the Border Patrol. The men on the horses, the vast majority of whom, by the way, are Hispanic Americans. What did they do that was wrong? What did they do that was wrong? No, they weren't whipping Haitians. That is the typical lie of the American media, corrupt, and the Democrat Party, constantly looking to exploit and advance racism. Endlessly. Endlessly. So now the Biden administration orders, we're not going to use horses anymore. We're not going to use horses anymore. We've used horses in metropolitan cities in this country so the officers can be up above the crowd. There was nothing wrong that was done with the horses. And the lies from the media to try and continue to create and exploit race in this country. It's constant. And you can only be racist if you're a certain color. You cannot be racist if you're another color. 
Who says? Where does that come from? Is Farrakhan a racist? Is he a bigot? Is he an anti-Semite? Of course he is. Are the things that Sharpton has said and done during certainly the early parts of his career anti-Semitic and racist? Of course they are. But we're supposed to pretend they're not? Now enough is enough. The speech police and the media. They're little hitmen and hit women with their websites. That are funded by leftist Marxist billionaires like Media Matters and so forth. They'll try to destroy you and destroy their, your character like mine. Go re- read the write-up on Wikipedia for me. It's unbelievable what they try to do to people. But I'm not going to stand for this. And the Democrat Party is a party of anti-Semitism. Look, I don't care how many of my fellow Jews are, are Democrats. They are endorsing and supporting a party that will not put down the anti-Semitism within its ranks. The Speaker of the House doesn't talk about it. The majority leader in the Senate who's Jewish dares not talk about it. Joe Biden embraces the anti-Semites, starting with Tlaib. He won't say a word. You don't see this in the Republican Party. You don't see this among constitutional conservatives. And yet they paint us all as Klansmen and neo-Nazis, white supremacists. We're none of those things. And you know what? They have more in common with the neo-Nazis and the Klansmen and white supremacists than people who believe in the Constitution and the Declaration and limited government and prosperity and liberty for all. But day in and day out, whether it's the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost, whether it's the Constipated News Network or MSLSD, day in and day out, PBS, for God's sakes, which we subsidize, it's the same thing about white people who are human beings, who are not all the same, pushing racism, racism, in the freest country in the face of the earth. And how do we know that? Well, look around. Look at the diversity in your own community. Look at the diversity in this country. Look at the, what's happening on our borders. Those aren't Swedes and Danes pouring over the border. These are people of color. Why the hell would they come to a country? A country that promotes racism against people of color because we don't. It's the biggest friggin' lie, and they keep repeating it. Meanwhile, the anti-Semitism of many of the same people who push the racism issue goes unnoticed or uncommented upon. Because it's the Democrats again. The Democrat Party, the home of slavery. That's its history. The Democrat Party, the home of segregation. The Democrat Party, always the home of racism. The Democrat Party, the home of anti-Semitism. That's what it is. That's what it's always been. I can name one leading slave supporter after another 
in the history of the Democrat Party. I can name one segregationist after another in the history of the Democrat Party. I can name one modern-day racist after another in the present-day Democrat Party. I can name one anti-Semite after another in the Democrat Party. Now do it in the Republican Party. And I'm not even that big on the Republican Party. But point to them. And the media, scum of the earth. That's right, I said it, scum of the earth. Frauds, corrupt, intellectually dishonest, through and through. I want you to listen to this from Joy Reid on MSNBC Monday. I meant to get to it, but I'm going to get to it now. Gabby Petito was murdered. And they're looking for her murderer right now. Her ex-boyfriend. She happens to be white. And so Joy Reid notices that above all else. A white girl. A white girl. What's the This bastard Joy Reid should have her ass fired because she's a hate monger. And she's always been a hate monger on social media with gays and others. And she's hired by MSNBC, part of NBC, owned by Comcast. Listen to this. Cut 10. Go. If you've been watching the news for the past few days or on Twitter or or TikTok, you're probably familiar with the name Gabby Petito, the 22-year-old aspiring social media influencer who was reported missing after her fiancé returned from their van life excursion without her. On Sunday, human remains believed to be potatoes were found in a national park in Wyoming. An autopsy is scheduled for tomorrow to confirm the identity. Now, it goes without saying that no family should ever have to endure that kind of pain. And the Petito family certainly deserves answers and justice. But the way this story has captivated the nation has many wondering, why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Well, the answer actually has a name. Missing white woman syndrome. Missing white woman syndrome. You see, you all must be familiar with missing white women syndrome because you're all afflicted with it. And this is a white woman who's going missing. How come you're not this upset when people of color go missing? Let me tell you something, you racist propagandist. You bigot. Let me tell you something. On this show over and over again, we talk about the madness that's going on in the streets in our inner cities. The level of murder that is taking place. Black-on-black crime, which is horrendous. The little black children and babies who are being murdered as they sit in their car with their parents or they're in their bedrooms, or they're watching TV with a grandparent, and a bullet enters their brain because some jerk, some nut job, some gang member shot it. Or that shooting up of a fast food restaurant. It's amazing how little this is covered by Joy Reid. It's amazing how little this is covered by MSNBC and NBC and all the rest of them. It's amazing. You know what I call this? I call this left-wing ignorance syndrome. And the reason, I would argue, that so much of it goes ignored is because these are Democrat-run cities 
with Democrat mayors. That's why. The slaughter that goes on in our cities every night, especially on the weekends, is unbelievable for any civilized nation. This woman, Joy Reid, is sickening. I don't give a damn what race she is. She is sickening. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. How many missing people of color has Joy Reid reported on? One, three, ten? Any? How many missing people of color has Chuck Todd, George Stephanopoulos, Andrea Mitchell, Brian Williams, Don Lemon, Fredo Cuomo, The View, The Morning Joe, Jake Tapper? How many missing people of color have they done stories on? How about NBC Nightly News, ABC News, CBS News? How many missing people of color? How about the Associated Press? How many? Now, if they've done any, fine. I haven't done my research on this, but I don't recollect too many, if any. Do you? Sure, we can dig something up, but the fact is, this is what a fraud these people are, including Joy Reid, to bring race into the fact that this young woman was murdered. And they're trying to find the boyfriend to bring him to justice is sickening beyond belief. I'll be right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. You think I like talking about this stuff? I hate talking about this stuff. But you have to confront what's going on. And for this, I will undoubtedly come under attack, and I will fight back. I will push back hard. You must be unrelenting. You must be resolute. 
the truth shall set you free. Isn't it interesting? These individuals, they don't really care that much about race. Race is a tool. Or they wouldn't treat people of color who reject their ideology, who reject their, their motives, who reject their politics as they treat them. Use race against people of color. Try to destroy the character of people of color. Try to marginalize people of color in all walks of life. If they don't buy into this radical, hateful, racist, Marxist ideology, or they dare not to be registered as Democrats or whatever. This is, this is a, a, uh, a tactic of bullying and threatening people. I mean, the facts are there. They lie all the time. Lie on the left all the time about this country, about brutality in this country, about law enforcement in this country. They lied about these men on these horses, on the border. They lie all the time. PBS has promoted Yamichi Alcindor to a prominent post. And she was at the White House briefing today, and here's what she had to say. Cut nine, go. Respectfully, I understand that you are the spokesperson for the president. These are images that are traumatizing Haitian Americans that he promised to treat respectfully and, and with humanity. Why isn't the president telling people himself these images that people say look like slavery are wrong? Okay, hold on. Who, who, who are the people that say it looks like slavery? Waters and some others? I was listening to Lauren Jones, Lawrence Jones. This guy is a rising star, if not a star on Fox. African-American. Sharp dude. He said, slavery? Slavery. These people are coming into our country violating our law. They're coming in voluntarily. There's nothing here about slavery. They could turn around and leave. And Dimitri Alcindor knows that the horses are used, and that these are not whips. By now, she knew by this afternoon at that press briefing that those were not whips, that Haitians were not being whipped, and that horses are used to control areas and rivers and so forth because they can't get vehicles down there. The Border Patrol is overwhelmed. They're doing their best. She also knows, she also knows that the Border Patrol is feeding people, getting them water, trying to provide them with some of these... Uh, these portable potties and so forth, that what they're doing is enormously humane. But that's not the picture Yamichi Alcindor, a radical Democrat dressed up as a PBS journalist, wants to get across. Go ahead. President, I as president condemn them. How is he not doing that? Why is he not doing that? And, and how, what are people supposed to take away from the fact that he's not at the bully pulpit himself? You know, here's what ought to be asked. Uh, Pasaki, why isn't the president of the bully pulpit right now explaining how he can tolerate gangs and cartels and kidnappers and sexual predators taking advantage of third world people, mostly of color, coming across our border, 
because it's not secure? Why isn't the president out here explaining that? Why isn't the president out here explaining that because of his policies, women are being raped, approximately 30% of them trying to come into this country? Little girls and boys are being molested? Children. That they're being housed like they're cattle? That massive amounts of fentanyl and other drugs are coming across the country and killing Americans? And that people from Haiti and other parts of the third world are bringing their diseases into this country? So that American citizens are now exposed to tuberculosis and measles and the coronavirus and the Delta variant and perhaps others? Because you meet G.L. Cinder will never ask those questions. Because in many respects, she supports that party and she supports these policies. So she'll go after the men on the horses. Law enforcement. That's what she'll do. Yamichi could have said, how come the president's not out here explaining to us, what are we doing now to get American citizens out of Afghanistan? Did we forget about them? What are we doing about getting people of color, Afghans, Out of Afghanistan, 80,000 of them who served with us patriotically and helped us. What are we doing? What about the little girls and the women in Afghanistan that we left behind? Who were part of these families with SIVs and so forth. Does the president not care about them? But no! We're going to attack the border patrol because of the images. The images. That's PBS. The pubic broadcasting system that you help subsidize. But there's more. Yamichi, she could have said to Pasaki today, how come the president's not out here denouncing the anti-Semites in his own party? Or she could say, in her own party. Why isn't he out here denouncing Rashida Talib and Omar? But she didn't. She talked about the images. Well, let's listen to Talib on the floor of the house today talking about a Jewish state called Israel. A Jewish state called Israel. Tiny little piece of property in the middle of the globe. Six to seven million Jews because over six million of them were slaughtered. 65, 70 years ago. 80 years ago. Cut 12, go. I rise in opposition to this supplemental. Now, the supplemental is for the Iron Dome missiles, completely defensive system to protect Israel from the enemies who surround Israel, including enemies that Rashida Tlaib support, like Hamas. She supports Hamas. She supports Hamas. So does Omar. And by the way, it's not only Jews who live in Israel. Palestinians, other Arabs live in Israel. People are also Muslims and Christians and so forth. But it is a Jewish-founded state. And this drives the anti-Semites nuts. And they're all in the Democrat Party. There's not a single elected Republican in Washington, D.C. who supports any of this. Start at the top, please. Cut 12, go. 
I rise in opposition to this supplemental. I will not support an effort to enable and support war crimes, human rights abuses, and violence. We cannot talk, be talking only about Israelis' need for safety at a time when Palestinians are living under a violent apartheid system and are dying from what Human Rights Watch has said are war crimes. We should also be talking so about... So the Jews... Let me, let me uh, interpret for her. The Jews are committing war times. The Jews have an apartheid state, by the way. You want to see an apartheid state? Look at every single Arab and Muslim country. There you have apartheid states. The Palestinians vote in Israel. The Palestinians have due process rights. They serve in the Knesset. They serve on the courts. They open their own businesses. Can the Jews do that in Palestinian-held territory? No. Can the Jews do that in almost any Arab state? No. But listen to this putrid... Bigot. Go ahead. Need for security from Israeli attacks. We must be consistent in our commitment to human life. Period. Everyone deserves to be safe there. The bill claims to be, quote, a replenishment for weapons apartheid Israel used in a crisis it manufactured when it attacked worshippers at one of the most holiest... So the Israelis manufactured the attack on itself. The most holiest Islamic location, the Al-Asqa Mosque. Let's be honest, shall we? That's what this program is all about. That mosque was built on top of one of the holiest Jewish sites. Where the first and second temples were. Before Islam existed. It was built there purposely. But nobody was attacking that site. Nobody was attacking the mosque. She's a liar. She's a bigot. Go ahead. Locations, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, committing, again, numerous, numerous war crimes. And yet, a $1 billion in American tax dollars that my colleagues want to give represents, to me, an absurd and unjustifiable 140 times increase to U.S. funding for the Iron Dome. I firmly believe... It's not the Iron Dome, you idiots. The Iron Dome and Israel helped develop. Do you know Israel helped develop our patriot system? working with us. Go ahead and look it up. And the Iron Dome system, we use all this technology too. But go ahead. Our country must oppose selling weapons to anyone, anywhere, without human rights law compliance. The Israeli government is an apartheid regime. Not my words, the words of Human Rights Watch and Israel's own Human Rights Watch organization, Ben Salem. I urge my colleagues, please stand with me in supporting human rights. How much time do I have, Rich? Ted Deutsch is a sort of moderate, rather wimpy Democrat out of Florida. And even he had enough of this. Cut 13, go. But, Mr. Speaker, I cannot. I cannot allow one of my colleagues to stand on the floor of the House of Representatives and label the Jewish Democratic State of Israel an apartheid state. I reject it. Today, this caucus, this body, the House of Representatives will overwhelmingly stand with our ally, the State of Israel, in replenishing this defensive system. If you believe in human rights, if you believe in saving lives, 
Israeli lives and Palestinian lives, I say to my colleague who just besmirched our ally, then you will support this legislation. May I have 15 more seconds? You have the gentleman 15. You have the gentleman 30 seconds. Is recognized for an additional 30 seconds. Mr. Speaker, we can have an opportunity to debate lots of issues on the House floor, but to falsely characterize the state of Israel is consistent with those, let's be clear, it's consistent with those who advocate for the dismantling of the one Jewish state in the world. And when there is no place on the map for one Jewish state, that's anti-Semitism. And I reject that. So why didn't, why didn't Yamichi Alcinder raise this with Pasaki? How come? To kind of quote her and paraphrase her, a lot of Jews are very upset by this. A lot of evangelical Christians are very upset by this. A lot of Americans are upset about this, Yamichi Alcinder. How come you didn't talk about what this looks like? You said our guys look like, on the horses, this is slavery. And yet Talib sounds like she's right out of the Third Reich, in my humble opinion. Just my opinion. And yet PBS's key person, Yamichi Alcindor, says nothing, not a word. Joy Reid says nothing, not a word. Nancy Pelosi says nothing, not a word. Chuck Schumer says nothing, not a word. So we should attack American Border Patrol, which is humanely trying to handle the, the enormous number of people storming our border. They're overwhelmed. And yet this reprobate opens her big mouth on the floor of the House of Representatives of the United States and spews this neo-Nazi crap. This Klansman crap. The Democrat Party. I'll be right back. Lovin. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Reparation. Does it matter if people here who are white, that their ancestors weren't even here? Did they get a pass on paying reparations? How about this? How about families whose ancestors fought in the Civil War on the Union side and died or were harmed or lived? Did they get a pass on paying reparations? I mean, those soldiers and those families did more than any of the loudmouths on the Marxist left pushing reparations and all the rest, they did more to end slavery and bring equality to this nation than any of these people who are yapping today 
I'm just curious how this is supposed to work out. Or better yet, we'll just dehumanize everybody. You people, this color, you go in that corner. You people, that color, you go in that color. Oh, okay. Now, this strikes at the heart of this nation, of how this nation has been based. It destroys the very fabric of this nation. Reparations. Reparations. Tell me something for the anti-Semite Marxists, many of whom are into this reparations movement, most of whom are white. Let me ask you a question. Should the Israelis get reparations from the Arab countries and the Muslim countries? I mean, after all, the Jews have only been there over 4,000 years. Why is it that Judea and Samaria are called the West Bank? When the Jordanians, I've said this for years, when the Jordanians controlled it for 19 years and the Jews had it for 4,000. The West Bank. Why is it that Joe Biden doesn't recognize the indigenous peoples of Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem and all the rest of it? Why doesn't Yamichi get up and ask those questions? We know why. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, The liars and the cherry pickers, the character assassins, no doubt, are all listening in, and that's their problem. Millions and millions of you who love this country are listening in. And Maxine Waters goes on about slavery. Well, then why are people of color, particularly Haitians then, not turning around and going home? If this is what we do, because it's not what we do. It's what the American Marxists and their party say we do. I want to give this some context. And I'm telling you, this book, American Marxism, really does lay it all out. These issues that keep popping up, it's because these are the various American Marxist movements that I talk about. And as I point out for those of you who haven't, on 123, not only is the United States said to be a white-dominant, systematically racist society oppressing all people of color, but the country's very existence is illegitimate due to its colonization of Mexico's land. This is what's argued. Hence, the true natives are the indigenous Mexicans, not the whites who promote racist nativism. And this is being taught in our schools and so forth, and obviously it's, it's something that Many journalists really embrace. There was a book in 1972 written by a guy called Acuna called Occupied America. And the author writes, Mexicans slash Chicanos in the United States today are an oppressed people. They are citizens, but their citizenship is second class at best. They are exploited and manipulated by those with more power. And sadly, many believe that the only way to get along in Anglo-America is to become Americanized themselves. See what I'm saying? If you're Mexican-American, 
and you're patriotic, you've been Americanized. You've got a problem. Awareness of their history, of their contributions and struggles, of the fact that they were not the treacherous enemy that Anglo-American historians have said they were, can restore pride and a sense of heritage to a people who have been oppressed for so long. In short, awareness can help them to liberate themselves. So in other words, being the true natives, Mexicans and Chicanos ought not assimilate into an Anglo-American culture. The former are oppressed and the latter are colonialists. But Acuna's dire assessment respecting the condition of the Mexican population in the United States cannot be explained, cannot explain why Mexico, quote-unquote, is the top origin country of the U.S. immigration population. In 2018, roughly 11.2 million immigrants living in the U.S. were from there, counting for 25% of all U.S. immigrants. Why would millions of Mexican citizens leave their home country to migrate, both legally and illegally, to America, in some cases risking life and limb only to be exploited and manipulated. The fact is that they are escaping oppression, poverty, crime, and corruption in their own countries for a better life in the United States. Now this is, this is the thing when you really listen to what's being said out there. The same people, the very same people who talk about the United States as being racist, white supremacist, treating people like slaves, I mean this, this incendiary sickening propaganda. We'll also argue, wait a minute, we have to allow people into this country because they're leaving corruption, they're leaving crime, they're leaving poverty. So in other words, their own countries, the institutions of their own countries, in many respects, these cultures have impoverished them, have created crime, conditions that are so bad that the very same people in this country who denounce our country and denounce anyone who, who points out how bad the other country is, is being told you must legally broaden the definition of refugee to allow people to come in because their country suck. And we're broadening the definition for people who are coming out of the third world for the most part. And many people of color, if not most. So they can come into a what? A white supremacist country that, that looks like a slave nation? I mean, just think about what you're hearing. Occupied America. The Kuno writes... Well, I say here, uh, hold on a second. Then there's another book in, in their book, Navigating Borders, Critical Race Theory Research and Counter History of Undocumented Americans. University of Arizona Professor Ricardo Castro Solazar and UK Durham University Professor Carl Bagley proclaim that scholars have repeatedly pointed out that U.S. people and their leaders tend to be chronic ignorers of history. And this amnesia becomes damaging when it forms the boundaries of inclusiveness in modern narratives of U.S. identity and citizenship. The narratives of history and current events in the United States overlook that America encompasses two continents and includes, so they're talking about the continents of America, Argentina, Brazil, Canada, goes on and on. And many other nations traveled by European explorers in the 1500s. In a proclivity for simplification abbreviation, many U.S. people... They call you United Statesians. 
You see, it's an ethnicity. Many U.S. people, I'm quoting, United Statesians have forgotten that the United States is of America and not the other way around. The United States is located in North America, but has shaped the realities of Central and South American nations. So the argument goes, America is bigger than the United States, encompassing two continents, and the United States and its majority white European-linked population, namely United Statesians, are the true trespassers. Now I want you to understand, this is what's in the mindset of many of these people in journalism, of the intellectuals so-called on the left and so forth. This is what's part of the mindset. And they write, ironically, undocumented Americans of Mexican origin have a double American identity, United Statesian and Mexican, and possess a stronger historical connection with the American continent than the majority population of the U.S. people. People of Mexican origin, meaning those with a blend of indigenous and European heritage, lived in the lands that are now the southwest states, centuries before U.S. expansionism, dispossessed Mexico of half its territory, and it goes on and on. Again, it's in the book. The point is, for the American Marxist, whether they're members of Congress, whether they're staffers at the White House, whether they populate the media, and many do, not only is the American Constitution illegitimate, America is illegitimate. The borders must be open. Because the American citizenry, you're the occupiers. You're not the indigenous peoples. Now again, they don't say that of the Palestinians in, in uh, Judea and Samaria, which is a footnote, but a point I want to raise. So you get it? You understand now at the root of this aspect of the American Marxist movement, America itself is illegitimate. There is no such thing as American sovereignty. There is no such thing as American borders. It's illegitimate. White people, the white dominant society, they're the interlopers. And people of color, particularly Mexicans who go along with this, they have been brainwashed. They've chosen to become part of an illegitimate society and an illegitimate country. So if you don't buy into this, you're going to be attacked regardless of your race and color. This is what's going on. And at a more superficial level, as I discussed for 12 years, but I'll continue, it's the Democrat Party empowering its voter base, just looking at demographics and looking at voting histories. Why the Cubans are out and the Haitians are in. That's not me, that's, that's them, the Democrat Party. That's what's going on. This is why Yamichi Alcindor does what she does and doesn't do what she doesn't do. And certainly she's not alone. The rest of the American press or the clowns in the media, including Joy Reid and so forth. It's not about human rights and individual respect and all the rest. It's about breaking down the rule of law, breaking down the border, Who's on the border, the border patrol? Who brings people from the interior of the United States to deport them? ICE. They need to be overwhelmed. They need to be exploited. They need to be attacked. They need to be defunded. They need to be undermined. And you're watching it. And you're watching it. One day we will know with some certainty 
the radical cabals within this administration that are pushing these agendas. Joe Biden is too out of it to be in charge. He's not too out of it to sign his signature and to support every aspect of this. But he's appointed people around him in the different agencies, departments, and so forth who are the most radical of the American Marxist movements, and they have much more in common with the Talibs and Omars and AOCs than they do others. Which is why that aspect of the Democrat Party, the Trotskyite wing of the Democrat Party, they're Stalinist wings, Trotskyite wings, Maoist wings, but the Trotskyite wing of the Democrat Party, the purest of the pure, that's why the White House caves to them all the time. Because that Trotskyite wing has support from the people that Biden has surrounded himself with. That's why. I'll be right back. Mark National Review, Brittany Bernstein, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki announced today that Border Patrol agents will no longer be permitted to use horses to guard the border in Del Rio, Texas, after horrific photos, quote-unquote, emerged of agents swinging long reins while interacting with Haitian migrants. The announcement comes after the media caused a frenzy by falsely portraying the videos and photos as showing agents hitting the migrants with whips. Now, Yamichi Alcindor knows what she said was a lie. But she said it anyway. It was later revealed the agents were in fact wielding the long reins that make it easier to maintain control of their horses, according to Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortez, no doubt a white supremacist. An unnamed border agent told Town Hall's Julio Rosas, another white supremacist, that mounted agents often troll their reins to keep migrants at a distance so they're not crushed underfoot. Ortez said that he did not believe that the reins had been used to strike any refugees, and none of the photos or videos that have circulated of the interactions appear to show the reins making contact with migrants. Still, have been mounting concerns among members of the president's own party over the inhumane treatment of Haitian migrants. What, by Haiti? Pesaki announced that the use of horses at the border will stop. Now, this is going to be a big problem, but they don't care about that. John Affinson, president of the Border Patrol Union chapter in Del Rio, condemned the decision. The Horse Patrol Unit is an effective means of apprehending immigrants who illegally cross our borders every day, along with searching for those who are sick or injured and stranded in the brush. And, you know, Biden and Pisaki and the others, Biden's never been to the border, Pisaki probably neither. They have no idea what's going on. We're going we're gonna to outlaw the horses and, the, you know, and those whips. Okay, you're going to kill people. Suspending the all for a brief amount of time takes away one of the few remaining units that have been in the field making arrests and rescues on a regular basis. Doesn't matter. Maxine Waters says it reminds her of slavery. It's all a lie. The whole damn thing. But what's actually taking place on the border, the horrendous conditions and so forth, that's not a lie. And Yamichi Alcinder and Joy Reid and Fredo Cuomo and the other reprobates, nothing. Meanwhile, look at this. PBS didn't find this out. MSLSD didn't find this out. CNN didn't. Look at this. Daily Mail. The 15,000 Haitians who turned up in Del Rio did not come from Haiti. They came from mostly Chile. 
Chile is the wealthiest country in Latin America where they have been living in modest comfort in Santiago and Sao Paulo for the past five or six years. They traveled up from South America through Colombia, Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, before landing in a camp across the Mexican border in Tapachula. When Biden got in, word went out, and they decided we're coming now. That was the decision point, says migration expert Tom Bensman. This is the Daily Mail. Joe Biden opened the border, so we decided we could upgrade our lifestyle, the migrants told him. They flocked to the entry point at Del Rio International Bridge in Texas after hearing they could cross the border there for free. Todd Benson of the Center for Immigration Studies said the lack of smuggling fees has made Del Rio crossing the cheapest on the border. So they didn't immigrate directly from Haiti. They were in Chile, the vast majority of them. And they had uh, a modest level of comfort, according to this article. Not PBS, not MSNBC. See, we live in a world of liars and lies. We live in a world of propaganda and pseudo-events. You just lived through it for the last 36 hours. For the last 36 hours. What's actually going on on the border is censored. And then cherry-picked issues on the border are used for exploitation. So according to the Daily Mail, most of those Haitians didn't come from Haiti. They came from Chile. The wealthiest or one of the wealthiest countries south of the border. And most were doing okay by standards south of the border. Now what do you think? And when those horses showed up with those white supremacists, the Border Patrol, many of whom are Latinos, doesn't matter, they're white supremacists because they're part of the system, you understand. That reminded Yamichi and Waters of Slavery. And I'm thinking to myself, if it were me, and I felt it reminded me of slavery, and I were one of these Haitians, I don't think I'd continue into the United States. Would you, Mr. Producer? Wouldn't you go back to Chile, maybe? It's unbelievable. The lies that are reported as truth. And of course, Biden, Pasaki, the other reprobates, they moved immediately. Okay, no more horses. And the head of the border patrol says, wait a minute. We need horses to get into mountainous areas, into valleys, to get across rivers, to save people. Not just stop it. No more horses. No more horses. All the molestation. All the illness. All the brutality that's going on tonight on our border as a result of open borders having nothing to do with the Haitian population at this point, but all the rest, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of others who've come across, not a peep. The reason why the Biden administration will not tell us how many Haitians have been processed they give us little information here and there, is because they released most of them. That's why. And more are coming from Chile. Because they want to live in the America slave state. That's why. Because of white supremacy. Because of systemic injustice and police brutality. 
That's why all these people are heading here, don't you know? They're masochists, apparently. I'll be right back. All right, we've been talking about this for a long time. I didn't figure this out. Some really smart numbers guys figured this out. Breaking news from the New York Post. Biden could owe as much as half a million dollars in back taxes, government report indicates. Republicans say a new nonpartisan report indicates President Joe Biden improperly avoided paying Medicare taxes before he took office, raising eyebrows and the possibility he owes the IRS as much as $500,000 in back taxes. Biden is leading a Democratic push for a $3.5 trillion bill, no, it's 5.5, to subsidize child care, education, health care, God knows what, everything, by targeting tax avoidance and raising tax rates on higher incomes so the rich, quote, pay their fair share. Matter of fact, he wants to increase the IRS budget from 12 to $20 billion and increase the number of friendly, lovely IRS agents from 75,000 to 125,000. A House Ways and Means Committee draft of the bill would end the accounting trick apparently exploited by Biden and boost IRS funding for audits. But the new report, drafted by the Congressional Research Service, an arm of Congress, and provided to the Post, suggests Biden owes taxes under current rules, according to the congressman who requested it. Quote, Joe Biden wants to raise by $2.1 trillion taxes while claiming the rich need to pay their fair share. But in 2017, multimillionaire Joe Biden skirted his payroll taxes. We've talked about this many times. The very taxes that fund Medicare and Obamacare, said Representative Jim Banks of Indiana. This is a good guy. Chairman of the Conservative Republican Study Committee. According to the critics, excuse me, wrong. According to the criteria... The Congressional Research Service provided to my office, he owes the IRS and the American people hundreds of thousands of dollars in back taxes, Banks said. Every American should know about Joe Biden's tax hypocrisy. Banks said the report shows Biden improperly used, listen, S-corporations to avoid paying Medicare tax on speaking fees and book sales in 2017 and 2018. Boy, I could have saved a hell of a lot of money, but you know what, ladies and gentlemen? I don't have S-corporations. I pay through the teeth. Biden and First Lady Jill Biden, excuse me, Dr. Jill, routed more than $13 million through the S-corporations and counted less than 800000 of it as salary eligible for Medicare tax, exempting the rest from what would have been a 3.8% rate, the Wall Street Journal reported. The 3.8% is this surcharge on Obamacare, plus he avoided the Medicare tax. You got that? He avoided the Medicare tax on most of the money, and he voted the Obamacare 3.8% rate. The CRS report, Congressional Research Service, doesn't name Biden, but analyzes cases in which the IRS won a judgment against taxpayers who paid themselves suspiciously low salaries from S-corporations. You see, the payroll tax is on pay. So what Biden would do is he would set up this front corporation, an S-corporation, Many people do, but for legitimate reasons. He did not. He did it specifically to avoid paying Medicare and Obamacare. You believe this? So it's an income to the corporation he set up, this S-corporation, this front corporation. 
as opposed to salary to himself, so he wouldn't have to take it out of payroll uh, deductions. How many of you can do that? How many of you pay Medicare through the nose and Obamacare through the nose or through the tuchus? We all do. He put in uh, low salaries from S-corporations and counted most of the revenue as distributions exempt from the Medicare tax. Courts have agreed with the IRS that shareholder employees are subject to employment taxes when shareholders take distributions, dividends, or other forms of compensation in lieu of reasonable compensation. Otherwise, everyone would do this. They'd set up their own little S-corporation. They'd take a minimal salary. And they would pay themselves dividends and distributions and other things. The document outlines several examples, including a case involving an accountant named David Watson, who piped about 200000 per year of his firm's revenue through an S-corporation, while deeming just 24000 of it as taxable salary. Courts determined he dramatically underpaid his taxes. Now, significantly, the Congressional Research Service report notes that presidential tax returns are subject to Automatic audit only for years when a president's in office. The White House said this year that the Biden-S corporations are dormant, meaning the IRS won't automatically review their use. Biden, who has branded himself middle-class Joe, I brand him classless Joe, routinely argues the rich must pay their fair share. Chris Jacobs, this is the guy who really exposed this. A veteran of GOP offices on Capitol Hill, who closely tracks the issue, said Joe Biden wants to expand the IRS funding and authority so they can audit more Americans. Given that the Liberal Tax Policy Center and Nonpartisan Congressional Research Service both have raised questions about the way Biden handled his taxes, why doesn't he ask for his own taxes to get audited first? And Jacobs added, Biden didn't really believe in expanding programs like Medicare and Obamacare because he thought buying a second multi-million dollar mansion and renting a third was more important than helping to fund those laws. And this is the problem with all the welfare state creations of the Democrats. They want to avoid paying into them. You. You need to pay it. Tax law experts told the Post that the CRS report underscores the long-standing controversy, but it doesn't necessarily break new ground. They say the IRS simply doesn't have the resources to make sure that all S-corporations reasonably assess what counts as salary, Corporate tax expert Bob Willens, an adjunct professor at Columbia Business School, says that each case is unique. The question remains whether the compensation exacted from his corporation was reasonable. There you go. Goes on, different people giving their opinions. So I think it's pretty easy. All these years they're chasing Trump on his taxes. He's never been slapped to pay more taxes. Looks like Joe Biden's a tax cheat. I wonder if Yamichi Alcindor will be interested in that, Mr. Producer. I wonder if Joy Reid. Why are nasty, angry people named Joy? I don't understand. I wonder if Joy Reid, the homophobe and bigot, my humble opinion, I wonder if she'll press the case. If Joe Biden. I wonder if the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo. I wonder if they'll raise it. How about D. Lemon and Fredo Cuomo? How about fake Tapper? How about Angie Mitchell? Or all the rest of them? What do you think? What about the front pages of the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost? We're full of bumpy tomorrow. 
Jeremy Barr. Jeremy, what's the other Jeremy? Ah, whatever. Peters. Jeremy Peters. Maggie Hagerman. Is that her name? Haberman, Hagerman, whatever. Maybe Paul Krugman, the dumbest of the phony economists, maybe he'll run an entire column on it. Over at Salon, I'm sure the, the Marxist wing there will get all excited and write about that. Who's that idiot? Tom uh, Nichols. Tom Nichols. He's an adjunct instructor. Does it get any lower than an adjunct instructor at an institution, Mr. Producer? Adjunct professor. He's an adjunct instructor. Didn't make the cut. You wonder if the reprobates will jump on this. Nancy Eva Pelosi. Chucky Schmucky Schumer. Of course not. The Praetorian Guard is a real thing. I wonder if big tech will censor this. So now the question is, is Joe Biden a tax cheat? And does he owe half a million dollars or so in taxes, plus penalty and interest? And will, uh, and will Congress demand more and more of his information? The Democrats. Now the Supreme Court has opened the door wide, ladies and gentlemen. Now I understand these are federal income taxes. But he was a citizen and resident of the state of Delaware, our first state. Is there a district attorney in Wilmington, Delaware, who will now be subpoenaing the backup information, taking depositions, digging into this, violating attorney-client privilege and confidentiality to talk to Biden's lawyers? How about going after his CPA? If this were Donald Trump in New York, that's exactly what would be going on. But let's hear if this kind of argument is made, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear if they press the case like I am. What's fair is fair, right, folks? What's good for the goose is good for the, uh, for the insane in this case. Let's see what happens. Let's even see how many conservatives jump in and argue for this. They should. Joe Biden is as corrupt as they get. This guy's been in Washington his entire life. He has three mansions, millions of dollars. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Unbelievable, really. I shall return. love in. The heart is working beautifully, Mr. Producer. All that blood's flowing to my head. Can you notice? My brain is working overtime. If voter ID is racist, Mr. Producer, then why is it not racist to show your vaccine card? I would ask this question. If voter ID is racist, then obviously it's racist to have a vaccine identification card. It's racist to have a social security card. It's racist to have an internal revenue service and a tax form. I mean, if you can't figure out how to get a picture ID, how the hell are you going to do that? It's racist to have to show an ID to get on an airplane, to get on a train, to get into the Capitol building, the White House, to get into CNN. It's racist 
They have to show an ID to demonstrate that you're over 18 to get a drink? Or is it over 21? I don't even know. Whatever it is. Everything related to identification is clearly racist. Now, of course, all those things are not racist. All those things are imposed upon us for one reason or another. Some good, some bad. Particularly when it comes to the virus, there's all kinds of impositions. But when it comes to voting, the ID that you use for all these things and more suddenly becomes racist. That ID suddenly becomes racist. Now, here's the thing. There's not a rational person in this country, black, white, and in between, who believes that. These are more the lies pushed by the media and their party. Why? Because for all the talk by Chris Christie and the others, they cannot explain why the Democrats want to eliminate all the security measures that exist for voting. Unless the Democrats are promoting fraud. But Chris Christie doesn't believe that. Peggy Noonan doesn't believe that. Paul Ryan doesn't believe that. George W. Bush doesn't believe that. Except, of course, when it was in his race and he took it all the way to the Supreme Court. Here's Don Lemon on CNN, one of the dumbest people in America. May I say that? That includes all races. Cut 16, go. I think you have to look, as you said, into the intent, and you have to do your research. Because people say that all the time. Well, why shouldn't you have to show an ID? And I say, do your research and, and figure out... Do your what... research? And what research should we do? Go ahead. People don't historically have IDs or who... Um, what people who... don't historically have IDs? I've done my research. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Neither do you. In this country, you get an ID for free. What if you're handicapped? They'll send it to you. What are you talking about, dummy? Go ahead. You tend not to have IDs uh, as to the rest of the Who population. Who tends not to have an ID? Does the black population tend not to have an ID? That is such a stereotype. So here we have an African-American creating a caricature of African-Americans. That apparently they're too poor, too immobile, too stupid to know how to get an ID. Now we know this is a lie. It's a lie. You need an ID for everything in this country anymore. And they want you to have it for even more things. Is the Eternal Revenue Code, which is much more complicated than getting an ID, is that racist? Donnie, may I call you Donnie, dummy, Donnie? Is that racist too? Do you realize what a schmo you are? Go ahead. And so you've got you to look at all of those things, and not just at the surface, as you said, ask a question or you know, some summary question. You're a rambling like, moron. That's why you have no ratings. That's why you're on CNN, the Constipated News Network. So everything's racist that they want to say is racist, ladies and gentlemen. So obviously America's racist, our schools are racist, IDs are racist, white people are supremacists. What kind of insanity is this? It's not the only one. We have Professor Franita Tolson, Vice Dean, USC Law School on CNN today. Cut 17, go. My point to the senator was that all voter ID laws are not the same. And Texas has one of the most restrictive voter ID laws in the country. And it How's really that? Hard. How's that? Why? What is it? In what way? Go ahead. 
of color. Uh, but voter IDs do not have to be that restrictive. For example, Texas accepts um, only a limited number of IDs to vote. So if you have a driver's license or an election ID card or a handgun license or military identification, you can vote. But if you have federal ID or state ID or student ID, you can't vote. Wow. Well, maybe they figured out that people can make fake IDs, and so they want to limit the number, number that are under their control. No, no, you don't understand, Mark. It's anti-black. What's anti-black? The ID. It's too restrictive. Well, what is it? Driver's license, handgun license, military identification, election card. But the student ID, oh, that's the ticket, the student ID? You mean the students that drink but have to have a real ID if they're going to get booze? That, that, those IDs? I'll be back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Yamichi Alcinder works for the Pupic Broadcasting Service, PBS. And they have a lot of money. You give them a lot of it, whether you like it or not. And they have a research department. And um, where did you find this, Mr. Producer? Cut one. Where did you find this? Over at Rumble, one of our favorite places. And I just want you to hear this, this racist, who was on with Charlie Rose, who's no longer there, because, uh, what, he couldn't keep his pants on? I don't know. There is that. In 1994, after Haitian President Jovenel Moise was assassinated, I want you to listen to this racist in 1994, and I want to suggest that Yamichi Alcinder, tomorrow, in the press room with Pasaki, say, why isn't the President of the United States out here answering the following? Cut one, go. If, if some of us are right on Bosnia, that uh, this ethnic cleansing has the potential to rear its ugly head in Ukraine and in, in, in Belarus and in the former Soviet Union, where they have uh, major uh, arsenals of nuclear weapons, where they have long histories of national wars, where ethnicity dominates, uh, uh, that is a phenomenal potential consequence to the United States. If Haiti, a god-awful thing to say, if Haiti just quietly sunk into the Caribbean or rose up 300 feet, it wouldn't matter a whole but lot in terms of our interests. War- wow. If Haiti, a god-awful thing to say, if Haiti just quietly sunk into the Caribbean or rose up 300 feet, it wouldn't matter a whole lot in terms of our interest. Now you have to wonder why Yamichi Alcinder has not referenced that. Because you see, the only racist, really, in the Oval Office is Biden. It's Biden. But I thought you'd want to hear that. Isn't that interesting? President Trump slams George W. Bush and his quote-unquote flunky Karl Rove for holding Liz Cheney fundraiser. 
Interesting, from the Political Insider. Donald Trump slammed President George W. Bush and his longtime advisor, Karl Rove, following news that the two will appear at a fundraiser for Never Trump Congresswoman Liz Cheney. As is typical of statements put out by Trump, they write, it was peppered with colorful nicknames for each. I thought it was fantastic, by the way. Rhino former President George W. Bush said Trump, and his flunky, Karl Rove, are endorsing warmongering and very low-polling Liz Cheney. Trump slammed that Bush's stupid actions in the Middle East that resulted in decades-long war with no clear objective and astronomical costs. Bush is the one who got us into the quicksand of the Middle East, and after spending trillions of dollars and killing nearly a million people, the Mideast was left in worse shape after 21 years than it was when he started his stupidity said the former president. Well, there is all that. Apparently, Cheney's raising a fortune. Because the ruling class establishment republics are rallying around her. And that would be the same George W. Bush, as I said the other day, who didn't have the guts to give a full pardon to Scooter Libby. That took Donald Trump. Donald Trump did that. Not... uh, not Bush. And yet, they love Bush and they hate Trump. Now this so-called January 6th committee, which is really the another Nancy Pelosi taxpayer-funded committee, is now subpoenaing people who were around Donald Trump for information. It never ends. With the support of never Trumpers, of course, King Singer and Cheney. And I guess they, uh, they think this is a good thing because they're saving the country from an insurrection. I think I heard one of my colleagues at Fox, whose name I will not mention, said this was a grave constitutional and criminal attack on our system. A grave constitutional and criminal attack on our system. Mm-hmm. I just wish that same individual was a little bit more passionate about some of the things that took place before that. But no, that's not the case. Mr. Producer, can I take an early break? Because I want to search for something and read it to the public. Is this too early? All right. Ready? Here we go. I'll be right back. Lovin. BuzzFeed, not always terribly reliable, but it's hard to be unreliable on this one. Zoe Tillman reporting. Prosecutors lost a fight to keep a set of January 6th Capitol surveillance videos under seal. A judge rebuffed the government's argument that releasing more surveillance videos posed a national security risk. Why would it pose a national security risk? And why didn't the prosecutors want the video released? Federal prosecutors released a new collection of Capitol surveillance videos from January 6th after a judge ordered them to do so, rejecting the government's argument that making the clips public could threaten the security of the complex. The disclosure marks a setback 
for the U.S. Capitol Police and the U.S. Attorney's Office. Why? Why? Why is it a setback? Why shouldn't we have access to this information? Why do we need prosecutors describing it to us and the media lying about it? Don't we want to see it? I'll tell you why. You can look at it. You're going to see scores of people milling around, just walking around. And in some cases, you're going to see police officers in the same place. Have you looked at this, Mr. Producer? You don't see violence. You see nothing except people wandering around. Like they're on the border trying to get into the country. Why is this a setback for U.S. Capitol Police and U.S. Attorney's Office? Isn't this evidence, isn't this useful information that the American people should have? The disclosure marks a setback for the Capitol Police and U.S. Attorney's Office in their efforts to control how much footage from the Capitol's closed-circuit video gets out. The latest case, prosecutors argue that revealing the location and vantage points of more cameras could help bad actors trying to plan some future assault on the building. Now, how bogus is that argument? Remember the guy with the weird hat and the horns, and he wasn't wearing a shirt, but he was wearing some kind of fur around him, carrying the flag, Mr. Producer? Is he the Sharma? Well, right behind him was a Capitol Hill police officer walking behind him. You saw that clip, right? Wasn't trying to handcuff him or holler at him or tell him to get out of there. Just walking behind him. And you have a lot of people walking around with their iPhones on, other people just milling around. All these people are being prosecuted, just so you know. All of them. And the overwhelming majority aren't doing anything. That's why the Capitol Police and the U.S. Attorney's Office did not want this information out. That's why. The judge concluded that argument was too speculative and that the public had a strong interest in seeing videos that form the basis of recent plea deals. U.S. District Chief Judge Beryl Howe ordered the videos released in response to requests from a media coalition that is petitioning judges on a rolling basis for videos that prosecutors have relied on in the January 6th cases. Trials are supposed to be public and open, ladies and gentlemen. Now, why is it that the Constitution requires that? Because your, founder, your framers created a government, but they didn't really trust government all that much. That's why there's checks and balances. That's why there's enumerated powers. That's why there's a Bill of Rights. That's why there's a, a Tenth Amendment in the Bill of Rights. That's why these things are written down. They don't want secret trials. Why? Because they suffered from them. The clips cover a period of about 15 minutes on January 6th between 2.25 p.m. and 2.40 p.m. That's a critical period. In different locations inside the Capitol, they show rioters streaming through open doors. These aren't rioters streaming. Do they look like rioters to you, Mr. Producer? They really look like tourists walking through the building. They're not rioting. Streaming through open doors and broken windows at an entrance on the Senate side, crowds of people walking into the crypt, standing in a large crowd, eventually dispersing, and finally, rioters exiting as U.S. Capitol Police officers in riot gear gather at the Senate entrance point to stand guard as a mob that's outside looks in through the broken windows. It wasn't a mob outside. They were protesters. And these people, at least shown on the film, are not rioting. They were not only mostly peaceful, but the ones on the film are completely peaceful, are they not? 
There's no audio. The cameras are stationed up high and at a distance, provide a wide, stable perspective on the scene. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go online and look at this now. And you really ought to, because the government didn't want you to see this. They go on at BuzzFeed. There has been a wealth of video evidence in connection with the insurrection. See the language? It was an insurrection. Look at the video and tell me if you think that's an insurrection. Including videos recorded by rioters that were posted online and footage recorded by police body cameras. According to the U.S. Capitol Police, the recording system captured more than 14,000 hours of footage between noon and 8 p.m. on January 6th. Creating the most complete video archive of events inside the building that day. Why don't they release all of it? The U.S. Capitol Police have strictly controlled who can have access to the footage and how much of it can be released to the public. Some of it was shared during former President Donald Trump's impeachment trial in February. Why wasn't all of it shared? You know, in a real case, which is supposed to be several cases, you get access to all the evidence. But they're trying to convince you of something that took place, an insurrection. So release all the video. The government cited the latest videos in the case of Eric Torrens, a Tennessee man who took a deal with prosecutors and pleaded guilty on August 19 to one misdemeanor count of illegally parading, demonstrating, or picketing in the Capitol. And I can tell you what likely happened to him, because I'm hearing it from several others. They're being told, if you don't plead to a federal misdemeanor for trespass, we're going to prosecute you on a felony, and we're going to drag you through the court system here in Washington, D.C. And, of course, where Joe Biden won with what? 112% of the vote? Well, guess Biden people sit on the juries. Now, he admitted entering the building through a broken door and walking around. The government noted in court papers that Capitol surveillance cameras recorded his entry into the building as well as his movements inside. You're going to see a lot of this. When you look at these clips, prosecutors cited four other videos they obtained related to Torrens, including one that showed him exclaiming, we going in. Those were also released on Tuesday. Now, what did you see him do, Mr. Producer, on the clips that you watched? Nothing. Did he hit anybody? Did he threaten anybody? Did he swing his, the pole or the flag at anybody? No. No, he wasn't part of Black Lives Matter or Antifa. Or wasn't one of Obama's best friends. You know, Bill Ayers and so forth. He wasn't attacking, he wasn't shooting, he wasn't blowing up. He was, look, I'm not excusing it, I'm just saying it doesn't really jive with the narrative you've been hearing day in and day out, day in and day out. Anybody who assaulted somebody should be charged to the fullest extent of the law. Anybody who broke the law, same thing. These are trespass cases. And you will never see them bring trespass cases against Black Lives Matter members or Antifa or anybody of the sort. You just won't. Now, it goes on. Before Torrens' plea hearing, Hal asked to see videos that the government relied on in describing Torrens' conduct. She also asked the parties, that is the judge, to weigh in on whether those videos should be released to the public. At the plea hearing, Hal noted that there was a presumption in favor of access to judicial proceedings. Yeah, it's called the Constitution. That the public had an interest in materials that were submitted in court. 
that judges relied on in making decisions and that shed light on how prosecutors exercise discretion in criminal cases. The government opposed making the videos public. In response to a petition filed by the Media Coalition, prosecutors wrote that the videos featured non-public information about entrances and exits around the Capitol. How can there be non-public information when people at least used to be able to go into Capitol and look in the corners and see if there's cameras? This would compromise the security of the United States Capitol and those who work there. Lawyers for the Media Coalition argue the government's national security concerns were too speculative and undermined the fact that prosecutors in a few other cases had voluntarily released some surveillance video. And how the judge sided with the media that the concerns weren't specific enough. The government might have a stronger case for keeping videos secret that revealed sensitive parts of the building. That wasn't an issue, she wrote. Anyone taking a public tour could see the areas shown in these videos. Hundreds of cases have arisen from events on January 6th with new cases being brought and pending cases being resolved by plea agreements every week, the judge said. Public has an interest in understanding the conduct underlying the charges in these cases as well as the government's prosecutorial decision-making. Good for the judge. Whoever this judge is, absolutely right on. You can go to BuzzFeed. The five capital surveillance videos released by the government are shown there. I've looked at them. And now you'll know why the prosecutors and the Capitol Police did not want to release them. Doors are wide open. People are walking through. Windows are broken and wide open. People are climbing through. Maybe they shouldn't have, but you're not going to see a lot of violence from this group anyway. From this particular group. And the guy that pleaded to the misdemeanor, you're not going to see any violence from him. The guy in sort of the uh, Viking outfit with the naked chest... Uh, you don't see any any violence of any kind from him. I just want to point this out. It's a strange way to run an insurrection, isn't it, Mr. Producer? For an insurrection, ladies and gentlemen, they would be armed, they would have been organized, they would have taken positions of defense to defend what would have been considered a captured Capitol building. They would have taken hostages, they would have done all these things. None of that was done. Now, by my saying this, What they'll say is, I'm excusing lawlessness. I'm not excusing anything. But nor will I excuse tyranny and liars and a corrupt media that watched all the violence all summer long. I mean violence, arson, looting, assault, people dragged out of their cars, beaten to a pulp, officers shot, beaten. The NYPD, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, one city after another. And then they had the same people comment on this, that this is an insurrection. It's just not true. And that's one of the reasons the prosecutors didn't want to release the videos. But you can see it now. People wandering around. Every one of them in there is being charged with a crime. Every single one of them. And a lot of them are pleading guilty because they don't want to be charged and have either the funds or really the, the ability physically to stand up to a government prosecution. I'll be right back.
If Mark has banned you from the show, we have a special number you can call to reach him, 877-381-3811. Right on. Last election cycle, the United States Chamber of Corporate Cronyism um, supported a number of Democrats. I think the new head of the chamber, or one of the main advisors, I forget the woman's name, she came under some criticism, but said, hey, you know, we've got to be more bipartisan. In fact, I know her name. It's Susan, Suzanne Clark. Suzanne Clark. So she backed a couple of, more than a couple, maybe over 20, phony moderate Democrats to demonstrate the United States Chamber of Crony Capitalism. Well, you know, we can work with both sides. Well, they can't. This is Fox News, Fox Business. The powerful U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism on Wednesday launched a six-figure ad campaign pressuring moderate House Democrats to vote against a sweeping $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, that's $5.5 trillion, warning the bill poses an existential threat to the economy's recovery from the pandemic. The ad's target, Representative Cindy Axney of Iowa, Angie Craig of Minnesota, Antonio Delgado of New York, Josh Harder of California, and Elaine Luria of Virginia. This reconciliation bill is effectively 100 bills in one, representing every big government idea that's ever been able to pass in Congress. Excuse me, that's never been able to pass in Congress, says the moron who was uh, made the head of the uh, U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism, Suzanne Clark. The bill is an existential threat to America's fragile economic system and future prosperity. And so are you, you dummy. Democrats are crafting this bill, of course. Massive increase in taxes, massive increase in, uh, in the welfare state. Free child care, free paid family leave, on and on and on. Massive increases on individuals, on corporations, on transactions, and whatever else. Chamber of Commerce joins other business groups in objecting. Let's see here. Now, what's interesting about this article, it doesn't point out that the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism backed so many of these people that they're now trying to target. You know what that means, Mr. Producer? You know what that means, America? That the senior level of the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism is filled with a bunch of dumbasses. It, It just is. It's that simple. Because, you see, here's the truth. They were concerned about never-Trumpers, or they were concerned about too many Republicans, uh, you know, the trade deals and things like that. Now they look and they say, oh my God, we do anything to get that back. Anything. But they blew it. Now, I wrote in American Marxism, groups like the United States Chamber of Crony Capitalism and the companies they represent mean nothing to us anymore. They are the crony capitalists. They mean nothing to us. We're focused on something quite different. Individual liberty, real capitalism, for real capitalist businesses. Uh, And the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is a crony capitalist organization that even tries to prevent competition in many respects, depending on its membership. So they mean nothing to us anymore. If you're a member... If you're a CEO of a company that's a member of the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism, shame on you. 
Look what they just did to you. Are you that stupid? I think they are, actually. There's a lot of stupid people in corporations and on boards and CEOs of various companies. There's just no question about it. So the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism is now saying they're fighting for their lives. Well, good luck. Because you can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. One other piece I want to get to, the Free Beacon, and again, a wonderful site. Charter school enrollment skyrockets amid restrictive coronavirus rules. Charter school enrollment rose over 7% since 2019, signaling an exodus from public schools amid restrictive coronavirus rules. Now, I would suggest it's more than coronavirus. It's it's, uh, critical race theory. I almost said criminal race theory. That's about right. It's the genderism agenda. It's, It's all the crap. And a lot of people are saying that's enough. Private school enrollment across the board is through the roof. Parochial schools secular schools, uh, other religious schools of various affiliations, charter schools, uh, and because the union is filled with Marxist thugs. They were destroying the classroom. That's a fact. You know, it's interesting as I sit here and think about it, we've gone through a number of significant issues this evening. And I've discussed them and explained them. And several times I've referenced American Marxism to give you the sort of the scholarship behind these various movements and policies. And we were talking here. It's every night. The relevance of American Marxism is obvious. Is it not, Mr. Producer? Mr. Call Screener is a heavy reader. I think that's why over a million copies have been sold. You go look in the comments section of Amazon. I think we're over 15,000 now. That's, that's unheard of. A non-fiction book written by a conservative selling one million copies in all platforms in two and a half months. That is unheard of. It is and will be the number one sold book for all of 2021 Woodward and Costa's crap book is too far behind to even catch up to it. Even in the early months. That's how big this book is. That's how big you've made it. Do you see any coverage in the mainstream media, in the corrupt media, Mr. Bidu? I didn't see any, did you? They got a press release. The Associated Press wouldn't do a story on it. Did I tell you that, Rich? And the Associated Press runs lists, book lists. They even have a person who writes about this stuff. You're not seeing anything in the Wall Street Journal. You're not seeing anything in the Washington Post, the New York Times. And I'm on their list. Two and a half months, number one. You're not seeing anything in USA Today. You're not hearing anything on any networks. You're not hearing anything, really, in any cable channels. Are you? No. My buddy Dan Bongino, boy. He's a loyal son of a gun, isn't he, Rich? But seriously, folks. And, uh, and I said in an interview with Paul Bedard, a real journalist, I said, that's okay. Because he had mentioned it to me. He said, you know, they don't really care. I said, that's okay. Because from a strategic perspective, we're not on their radar. This is a massive movement that you're involved in just by reading this and spreading the word. That's under the radar. If we sold a million copies of this, multiply that by 20, 30, 40, 50, 
because everybody doesn't buy books. You're fed up. The public is fed up. They want answers. You want answers. You want ideas on what can be done to push back. It provides all that. It provides all that. So I suspect this book's going to keep chugging along. Not at the extraordinary heights it's been for two and a half months, because there's a lot of other books that come out, and I'm going to be doing less TV and so forth. But by, by word of mouth, by word of mouth, this thing's going to keep chugging along. We looked at Liberty and Tyranny. Liberty and Tyranny chugged along for six months. It was released in March, I forget, 20, uh, 2009, something like that, 2010. It just kept chugging along, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, and it had an enormous impact. This one's going to have a bigger impact. Mark my words. The Republicans are going to pat themselves on the head and tell you how wonderful if they win 2022 and brilliant they are. The media will say how bad, you know, these these events broke for Biden. Poor guy on his watch. Look at what happened. Some of that may be true. That is that other forces are in play. But what they're not going to recognize, and they don't want to acknowledge, is you. You. That phrase, American Marxism, ladies and gentlemen, you need to keep using it. You need to keep using it. We need to define them. We need to take our language back. They're not socialists. I said the other week, socialism is an economic issue. Marxism is more ubiquitous. Marxism attacks the individual, attacks your liberty, attacks the governing system, attacks everything, including the economy. Your race, the climate, whatever you Please keep using that phrase, American Marxism. I notice even some of our friends won't use it. They're afraid of it. Until we are able to call the enemy what the enemy actually is and stop using socialists, democratic socialists, social activists, progressives, the language they want you to use and that they've used to identify themselves, don't give them that. They hate it when I call them American Marxists. Then they try and undo the scholarship. There's nothing to undo. There's a massive amount of citations in this book to the individuals who are behind these various sabotage schemes and so forth. Those of you who've read it know exactly what I'm talking about. Let me put it to you this way. If you read this book, light bulbs are going to go off everywhere. Because that's what happened to me when I researched it. You'll think you know everything. I'll think I'll know everything. But we don't. Light bulbs are popping all over the place, like, wow, wow, I didn't know that, I didn't think that, and now this makes sense, and this integrates with this, and this fuses with that. Yes. It's not a conspiracy. I'm telling you who these people are, who they're associated with, and I give you examples of what they're writing and what they're saying. And their enormous impact on our educational institutions, throughout academia. They own academia. They own it. Throughout the media, they own it. They own it. And throughout politics, they own most of that too. Things will start to click in and make sense, and 
the various things you can do about it will start to click in too. So I think this book will be around a while. I think it'll chug along like Thomas the Engine for a while, Mr. Producer. I'll be right back. You know, Simon & Schuster is my publisher. They've been my publisher for many, many years. All my books but one. And I was very disturbed about what happened with the Josh Hawley situation. And I told them that. And I told them that. But they have published many, many conservatives, and many more now. So I think they recognize this. In fact, I know they recognize this. And just so you know, they've been 100% supportive of what I've been doing, as well as other conservative publishers since. Other conservative publishers since. Many. And, you know, you can't do this by yourself. I had a wonderful team, still do. Uh, Jennifer, Natasha, Jean Ann. And this beautiful woman by the name of Julie, my wife. It's been a team of five. We discuss it. Not to change my book in any way. That's not what I'm talking about. But decisions about when to release, how to release, how to market this, that, and the other. It's a small group. Not like Woodward, you know, with a whole phalanx of suck-ups and losers and lapdogs. Plus, I don't write, you know, gossip. I don't write gossip. These people who write books about themselves, I, I, and this, this, and I witnessed that, I'm just not into it. I'm just not into it. And so there's a, there's, there's a, sort of a name under Simon & Schuster through which conservatives are published. And it's called Threshold. Alex Marlowe over at uh, Breitbart, he's a great guy. And that's a great site. And I could mention many others who have uh, worked with this publisher and have been fully supportive and have had the very good results. So um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. Because... You need a team, whether it's radio, whether it's TV, or whatever it is, a good team that works together, loyal one to the other. And here I am talking about the book, the book, the book, and I never mentioned the team, so now I have. Just fantastic. And uh, the CEO of Simon & Schuster has been nothing but supportive. You know what supportive is to me, Mr. Producer, whether I do radio, TV, or write books? Supportive to me is leave me alone. And that's what they do. Except once with one. Which I won't forget. But not Simon and Schuster. They've never interfered. Not Fox, they've never interfered. Not Blaze, they've never interfered. I'm very blessed. Mostly because of you and the audience. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. My beloved audience, God bless you. Thank you for being here. And I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>